It's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, what has happened to the Phillies? Since winning eight in a row, they've gone four and nine while the Braves have won 16 of 20 and now lead the Phils by four and a half games. The Eagles rested starters against New England in week two of preseason and got crushed. As Vince Lombardi famously said, what the hell is going on around here? We've got plenty to talk about tonight, including our 2021 Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, that we do, Bill. Phillies and the Eagles talk, of course. That's always the case. Uh, the bird season opener, just two and a half weeks away now. And I'm also looking forward to unveiling our new Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame slate of candidates for our viewers and listeners that they'll get a chance to vote on over the next week when we decide who's going to go into our hall this year. A fun little project that we do every year on some Philly sports greats. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, so far, Chet, we talk about this every year. And we will a little bit later on, but the fans have gotten it pretty much right each year. So as, as far as you and I agree with it, at least uh, so, but getting tougher, there's 40 people, uh, athletes already in and getting 45. There's a lot of tough choices that we, we get down from the easy ones, if you will. Yeah, we'll get to it. We, we'll get to it. We got a good show tonight, Bill. Let's get it going. We do. We got a great guest tonight to help us sort out all the Phillies mess, if that's possible. Inquire.com, Bob Brookover, getting ready to join us. Yeah, you know, it was actually three years ago this week, Bill, that uh, we first had Bob on with us, and this is his seventh visit overall now, because, yeah, I do keep track of these things. But his last as a Philly Inquirer sports writer and columnist, sad to say. We'll talk about that with Bob, plus a whole lot more, so let's get it started, Bill. Let's get this show rolling, and welcome Bob Brookover back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, welcome. Hey, Bill. Hey, Chad. How you doing? Great. Hey, Bob. So, yeah, before we talk about the Phillies, let's talk about you for just a little bit, Bob. Uh, you and a handful of reporters, I guess Damo, Les Bowen, Ed Barkowitz, Mark Narducci, Frank Fitzpatrick, uh, this summer decided to take buyouts from the Inquirer and Daily News. What's going on at the newspaper? And are you officially done there now, or are you still going to be writing occasional things? Or what, what's your situation? Well, I'll just add Joe Giuliano to your list, too. I don't know if Joe's officially been announced yet, but Joe, Joe's on that list too. I, okay. think he, I don't think he's officially gone yet, but he, he's going to be uh, taking the buyout too. Um, I, I am pretty much gone. I, I've been on vacation for five weeks. The last this is my last week of a five week vacation, which has been weird in itself. That's um, nice. But at the end of this week, I will officially uh, no longer be an employee of the Inquirer. Um, I don't know if the future what the future holds as far as writing things for the Inquirer. Um, it's, it's something I wouldn't rule out, but something that hasn't really been discussed at this point. Um, you know, right now I'm, I'm kind of enjoying my time off and then gonna, going to to look for whatever the next chapter is. And I'm not even sure the next chapter is going to be in, in sports writing. Uh, if it is, that would be great. If it's not, you know, that that interests me too. That, that piques my interest too because, you know, I've done this for 40 years, so the idea of doing something maybe a little bit different Kind of, kind of piques my curiosity too. Sure. Well, I can tell you, Bob, from a from a fan standpoint that likes to pick up the newspaper and read the newspaper, the names you listed off, whatever that comes out to, three hundred years of of uh, sports writing, is uh, the the losers are us, us the, the fans. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more, Bill. I mean, the the you know as those names were being. You listed, you know, many of them more than I, I was in the business for 40 years, many of them more than that, you know, and all of them great friends uh, and great people um, who, who were just excelled at their at their profession. I mean, I competed against Les and Damo as, as football writers, but, you know, I, I go back to the early years of my career, like the first the first professional uh, assignment I ever had was writing a sidebar on the Philadelphia Stars, and that's where I met Paul Domowicz, who was the 
the, the wow. Daily News beat writer for the Philadelphia Stars. And and what a cool team. You know, to this day, I have a soft spot in my heart for both the Stars and the USFL. I don't know if either one of you guys have ever seen the, the 30 for 30 on the USFL, which kind of goes after Donald Trump more than anything. But And it probably doesn't mention the Stars enough. But they, they were just a fun team to be around. And I can remember at the Super Bowl in 2004, 2005, really the fourth season, sitting on the and it was kind of a fledging network the nfl network they had a they had a studio there and i was on with jim moore and i was like i was kind of in awe of jim moore because he'd been such a great coach for the stars i was actually a college classmate of chuck fusina and i ran into him again about four years ago so it was great to catch up with chuck good guy Great, great quarterback on that team. Yes, indeed. Hey, your last column, I think about five weeks ago, was about the state of baseball, and I think it had the headline, Baseball Ain't What It Used To Be, But There Are Still Plenty Of Reasons To Love It. You noted that it could use some changes or corrections. How so? Uh, I just think there, there it has myriad problems. I mean, one of them being the, the time it takes to play, play a baseball game. Yeah. Well, you know, in these five weeks since I've stopped covering – you know, it was going on before that, but I'll sit there and, you know, it's it's a four-hour game and it's a three-to-two game. There's no reason. And, and I happen to live in an area. I live near, near Long Beach Island down the shore where I get Yankees and, and Mets games too. And, you know, I, I watch a Yankees game. Yank, American League it remains worse. You know, you, you watch a game and it's it's four hours to play a two-to-one game. That, to me, is their, their biggest problem. But – you know, it also plays into other parts of things like getting the ball and play more often. You, you know, it's not exciting to watch strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not to see a team, two teams strike out 30 times a, a night is not is not fun. You know, the running game is gone. So, so many things like that. Yes, do we all like to watch home runs? Of, of course, it's great to watch a home run. But to me, maybe the most exciting thing in baseball I've still ever seen is, is Deion Sanders hit a triple because I need mean, the way he went around the bases, you'd, you'd put your head down and say, as soon as you put it in a gap and it's like anything he put in the gap was a triple. That's how fast he was. So, I mean, there, there's just so many things like that missing to, to me that have changed, that have changed in the game uh, that have hurt the game, in my opinion. Well, and do you think it all really just comes back down, Bob, to to the analytics has taken over the game to the point? I heard them talking on the game, oh, it's probably been a month ago, where they were saying that, uh, you know, the reason there's no more sacrifice bunting is because you only get 27 outs in a game and you can't give one away. Um, you know, us old school guys, we, we want to see the bunts move the runner, hit and run, steal a base and, and so forth. That's all gone. No, I mean, to me, there are still such there's still such things as good outs. Uh, uh, and, you know, you can tell baseball people, even the players believe it, because when a guy goes back to the dugout after he hits a ball to deep right field that gets the runner from second to third, everybody in that dugout, when you, you know, when you see the cameras go back into the dugout, they're all congratulating for doing a good job, for doing his job for getting that guy to third base. Uh, you know, it, it's it's still a good out, uh, you know, and that, that hasn't changed, but there's, you know, the, the analytics people have looked at looked at that aspect and said, "Well, no, you know, you're much better trying to, um, you know, get a double on the gap than you are to move a guy one base." You know, that's that's what the analytics say. You know, an interesting thing just to relate to, right to the Phillies is just the, the most recent big news of the Phillies is the shakeup in the organization that Dave Dombrowski made yesterday. Uh, you know, that is an indication to me. He, he wouldn't say it directly yesterday at least anything that, that I read or saw of his interview, um, that, you know, it's because we're too analytically driven. Uh, but those guys who were, were being replaced were definitely people who leaned far more to the analytic side. Manidi and, and um, Bonifay definitely leaned, those two in particular, lean more to the analytic side. And that's telling me that Dave Dombrowski wants a, a much better mix uh, of people running his organization than, than it was right now. And that's exactly where I was going to go, the changes that were announced yesterday regarding player development. Uh, they couldn't do a whole lot at the trade deadline because they don't have a lot of guys in the farm system who anybody really wants. Um, do you think some of the changes are also designed to improve the minor league system and get more prospects? Because they don't have a whole lot down there right now. 
No, they don't. I mean, it's, it's been the question that's been in the air and for, and it's a hard question to answer. Really it is because, you know, talk, talking to, to scouting department people and then development people, you know, the question, it's always the, the chicken or the egg thing is, is are we not getting players because we're not developing well or we're we not getting players because we're uh, not drafting well. Uh, and it's obvious. I think it's pretty obvious from this, you know, that Dave Dombrowski said this is more about development than it is drafting because he, he opted to keep the guy drafting the players and opted to make changes to the guys developing the players. And, that you know, it had been talked about within the organization for, for three or four years during Matt Clentak's time as general manager that, you know, the, you know, the, the changes that have been made have had led to some good people leaving the organization because they they were not behind um you know what what they were trying to do I, you know the, the uh um Jordan is one of them that that left and went to the Braves um you know there there were other people though who just were not did not fully believe what the Phillies were trying to do in the development role well, on, on to the present-day Phillies, uh, guys that didn't come up through the system that are certainly struggling. TD uh, is rough. McCutcheon is trying to play himself out of a job. Janko now is, looks like he's become the center fielder. He's a scrap pile guy. Um, how, how's, how's this team going to come together, and are, are they done? I mean, they're only four and a half out, but the clock's ticking. Well, I mean, this is a critical week for them. Uh, starting starting with tonight's game, you got your your ace on the mound. Uh, you've lost all three games you played to the Rays this year. Um, if you're ever going to beat the Rays, this is this is the game you need to beat them. You need your ace to be his eight, to be your ace, and then you go from there and you play four games against the Diamondbacks. And they can't be taking the Diamondbacks lightly because a week ago they were in our, yeah. in the desert being swept by the Diamondbacks. Um, you know the, the thing the stat I saw said. Uh, figured out the other day was they're 13 and 12 against first place teams and eight and 11 against last place teams, which, and there's 17 games left against last place teams, 17 or last 30, what I think 37 games remaining are against last place teams. You got to beat up on those teams. And this is a week you really, you need to beat up on the Diamondbacks uh, because the Braves are in the, finally in the midst, they lost two to the Yankees and now, and they go play the Dodgers next. And I believe the giants after that, they're they're finally in a place where they're playing some really tough teams after doing exactly what they needed to do by extending the Orioles' losing streak, which may never end. Uh, and, you know, so but that's what the Phillies need to do. They need to beat up on these bad teams. If they do that and play, you know, a little bit a game or two above five hundred against the rest of the teams, they have a chance to win divisions. So yes. Yeah, they got to beat those uh, bad teams, the D-backs, the Cubs, the Orioles, as you mentioned. So got to just win and hope that Atlanta loses a few along the way. I want to ask you, Bob, about Alec Bohm. Uh, He has struggled, obviously, all year in the field. He was never considered to be a great third baseman, but he really struggled at times this year. He made a key error at first base the one game also. His hitting... You know, he wasn't hitting terribly for average, over 250, I think, but not the power that we were expecting. And now, of course, he's down at AAA, Lehigh Valley. What the heck's going on with Alec Bohm? Well, I mean, and this goes back to what we were just talking about, the player development thing. You know, they, they've had guys get to the big leagues uh, and and begin to look like they were going to be big league players. Now, I don't know if you can blame this all on player development because these guys are getting to the big leagues. And Scott Kingery in 2019 – at the, the all-star break, he looked almost like an all-star, and then he really faded in the second half, and then he came back. He had COVID before the, the, the 2020 season was a disaster. Got to spring training this year and was even a greater disaster. Um, you know, so you got your Scott Kingery, you got Adam Hazley, uh, you know, got to the big leagues and, and fell apart. Um, and now you got Alec Bowman. I mean, and we're talking first round, not just first round picks, high first round picks. Mickey Moniak hasn't, you know, he's been he's been up and down the Northeast Extension more than anybody on the planet this year. Uh, so, you know, you got a bunch of guys who haven't got there yet. Bohm is a mystery to me. Uh, you know, they, they went, from the time he came up, you know, people said he's he could struggle at third base defensively. 
But, you know, he came advertised as a guy who was going to hit home runs, starting with, you know, coming from Wichita State where he did hit home runs. And that, to me, more than anything, has been the biggest mystery. Why, why has this guy not been able to hit for more power? Um, I, I still think there's hope for him, and I still think he – I still think third base might be his best position, but he's going to be a guy who needs to uh, reset himself in the offseason – and see where he comes back. I, you know, the example I, I like to use, and I'm not sh- saying that this he's going to ever be this player, but Mike Schmidt had an awful second year in the big leagues uh, and rebounded nicely from it. So, you know, um, or he had an awful rookie year, I guess. He hit 196 that rookie yeah. year, and he rebounded nicely from it. And this is, in many ways, this is Alec Bohm's rookie year. I mean, last year he finished second rookie year voting, but that, that consisted of 44 games. So, I mean, I, I still think Alec Bohm has a chance to be a, a good player. Hey, Bill, can you hear us? You look like you're freezing up on us down there. Uh, Bill, Bill you, look like you're you look like you're freezing. It's 98 degrees outside. <laughs> oh, I'm having all kinds. I'm having all kinds of problems down here. <laughs> He's freezing uh, up in a hot spot. I heard Go what ahead, you Bill. were saying about Bohm. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard what you were saying about Bohm, uh, but I think. Have we solved all of our problems because we now have Freddie Galvis back? <laughs> well, I think Freddie Galvis is a good player to have back. And I, you know, Freddie's, Thank you. Freddie's going to be an interesting person to watch, whether it's in Philadelphia or whatever. I don't know how old Freddie is now. I think he's like 32, uh, maybe 33. But uh, Freddie's got a chance to have a really long career as a bench player, I think, just because he can play four or five, six different positions uh, and play them all well. I used to write when he was with the Phillies. He could he could play anything he wanted, including the violin, um, and and he still he still has that ability, and he has the ability to hit the ball out of the park, which is exactly what you want from a bench player: is a guy who can play defense and step into a home run every now and then. Not one of Bill's favorite players, but we're we're not going there. <laughs> hey, uh, also coming back, Zach bench player, Bill, bench player. Wait, we can, come we'll on, Bill. One second, bench yeah. player, not as a bench player. Uh, he is just actually one of my least favorite Phillies of all time. I Why? Thought he, Why? When he played shortstop, I didn't like him. He can't hit. He couldn't field either. He's a little better. Fielder. He's a good fielder. <laughs> watch the game, Bill. Nah. All right, go uh, ahead. I watch them all. I try, Bob. I try. Um, <laughs> Zach Eflin coming back. Is that going to help the pitching staff? Hopefully, you know, we'll get a good Zach Eflin. It, it, it has to help the pitching staff, yes, because it, it, from a depth standpoint – uh, it seems like, you know, you never know, but Matt Morris has found something a little bit here in his last few starts. Uh, you know, if Eflin can be what he was before, and now you put Morris in the bullpen, it gives you depth in that area to begin with. Um, so I, I think I think it helps in that regard. But, you know, you need Zach Eflin to pitch the way the good Zach Eflin was before he had the, the knee issue. Uh, and if he does – even when he doesn't, this is a pretty good rotation the Phillies are running out there right now. Every, you know, Ranger Suarez certainly pitched another terrific game last night. Wheeler's Wheeler's uh, obviously a, a legitimate ace. Um, ho- hopefully, know what we saw the other night is can can find can bottle that a little bit and give him some consistency uh, down the stretch. And who am I leaving out here? I'm leaving out somebody um, who's. Um, Let's see. We got Wheeler. We got Nola. We got Eflin. We got uh... Suarez. We're, we're missing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Matt Moore. My this mind is, just turned to This mind. is why I'm leaving because my mind doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Bill? Uh, hey, hey, Bob, The uh, as they come down the stretch, a lot's been said so far, I guess, about the job from Joe Girardi. And some of the decisions, game in-game decisions he's made. What's your take on Girardi at this point? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's um, been the difference maker people had hoped he would be. That you know, people and when we say people more than anybody, John Middleton would be at the top of that people list because this is the guy he really felt like was going to bring a different. Um, different level of intensity and, you know, uh, cultural change to, to the organization. Um, you know, 
from the outside looking in, at least, he has not brought that. Uh, they they still fundamentally make way too many mistakes. Um, but I, I, you know, in in his defense, I will say this: he's had to deal with two COVID seasons. Last year was a disaster of a COVID season, and this was still not ideal circumstances. Um, the, the one thing I wouldn't do right now is make a change in manager. You know, I don't feel like we're in a position, although Gabe Kapler has gone on and proven us all wrong, just as Terry <laughs> Francona went on and proved us all wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. so how much really does the manager make a difference? But I think stability right now in that position is what the Phillies need more than anything else. And, you know, I, I, I still think, Joe Girardi can be a good manager and will be a good manager at some point. You know, the thing the thing that excites me the most about this organization right now is that Dave Dombrowski is in charge of it. Um, I thought his work at the trade deadline was was great. Oh, there's our other starter, Kyle Gibson. I was, was going to throw that in there, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's our other starter is Kyle Gibson. He got Kyle Gibson, who's been, been terrific. And one of the last assignments I did before I stopped writing was look at I looked extensively at Dave Dombrowski's history as a general manager at the trade deadline, and I was blown away by it. I mean, I, I was blown away to the point where I was like, I can't believe other general managers even make trades with this guy anymore because they lose. The other general manager almost always loses, uh, you know. And it wasn't always it wasn't always him getting great, you know. And Kyle Gibson's another one to fall in this category. Kyle Gibson, everybody's always he's, he's a pretty good pitcher. But he was getting guys who were, you know, not the not the guy at the trade deadline. Oh, he's the guy every team has to get. He would get other guys, and they would go on and help that his team either win a division or win a World Series. Kyle Gibson has certainly done his job, uh, and and the great thing about him is he's signed for next year. And Ian Kennedy's done well too in his role. Yeah, uh, Bob. Two final questions from me, very briefly. Eagles this year. What's their record going to be? Oh, Eagles this year. <laughs> um, 17 game season. Can they 17, win nine? 17 game season. I'm going to make them nine and eight. That's nine what I'm eight. I, I, I really, I really like Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts reminds me his first season reminded me of Donovan McNabb's rookie season where he looked at him and you said, Ooh, there's something there. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done. But there's something there. And now you've surrounded him with some, uh, what I think is a really good young receiving core. Yeah. Um, if the offensive line is all right, you got something there. I, the defense scares me more than anything. I'm Last so thing from me, yeah. anyway. Uh, any favorite memories from your nearly 40 years writing about the Philly sports scene, 21 years at the Inquirer? Uh, what stands out for you? Oh, God, there's so many. Uh, you know, so many people that I – that I dealt with covering Larry Bow was, was great. Covering Terry Francona was a lot of fun. Um, covering Charlie Manuel was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that the show they do is just quintessentially that yeah. down the line show. Um, to, to me, it's, it's the one thing I always talk about in my career. Cause it was, it was such an unexpected thing. Um, in 1992, I ended up covering the LA riots just because the Phillies happened to be, in LA when the LA riots broke out. And for four days I put on took off my baseball beat reporter hat and put on my LA riots hat, which I have no idea even what that meant, but went and talked to people and saw things. And you know, it was I, I wouldn't equate it to being a war correspondent, but being a news a news correspondent and the biggest story in the world at that time. Uh, that that always will just stick with me that moment and the people I met during that whole thing and just the 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 enormity of that, that was will always stick with me. Sure. One well, final question for me, Bob. Uh, favorite player to cover and least favorite player to cover. Um. Whew. Uh, <laughs> my least favorite player to cover. Let's go there. Should get that out of the way. Hopefully, sure. everybody forgets who I said it was. Um, least favorite. All right, I'm gonna have to come back to that. My my favorite player to cover, I think, was Terry Mulholland of all people. Um, 
who now lives off the grid in, in the yeah. desert in Arizona. Yep. Um, my One of my goals is I, I would write this story for whoever would buy it from me. I, I want to get on the grid with Terry one day and, and talk about living off the grid. But he was just a really interesting guy, uh, you know, who had a lot of different interests in life. And they've, they've, they've proven out. And he probably knows many of the secrets about that 1993 team, too. Uh, he, he would be my favorite. My least favorite, you know what? I didn't really, you know, I had some run-ins with people, but I didn't really have any anybody who I'd say, ah, I, I can't stand that guy, you know. Uh, there was people at times you, you they got on your nerves or they, they ticked you off, but nobody who I'd say is the least favorite. Cool. Gotcha. Hey, one final note for you guys. I just got a text message that said, first inning, E6 Galvis. <laughs> okay okay i'm not kidding i didn't make that up and it's actually from my son who i'm sure is not watching us but he knows uh, he knows what's going on yeah, he'll be, he'll, he'll, Freddy. that'll be his last error while he's playing for the there field. you go <laughs> here's to you bob well, right, well, thank you guys i appreciate it very much thank you I for having me on Congratulations on your retirement. Hopefully, uh, you're still following the fields. You can come back and join us. We've always enjoyed anytime you here, and, and certainly have enjoyed all your writing over the years, my friend. Anytime, it's always a pleasure talking to you guys. All right. Thanks, okay. Bob. Take Thanks, care. Bob. All right, hey Chet, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, it's time for you to start saving with Allstate's Pay as You Go Auto Insurance. Yeah, you got that right, Bill. Allstate Pay as You Go Insurance. Well. You know, you only pay for the miles you drive. That's the great thing about it. It puts you in control and with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, that, of course, is Dave Lavoie. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, that number, 610-430-0700. And start to save more now that you are driving less. Merrill Reed. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Yes, it is. You know, uh, I don't care even a little bit about the results of preseason games as we've talked every preseason since we've been doing this show, but uh, you know, there was some aftermath to that 35 nothing blowout from the Patriots that came from both Nick Sirianni, Lane Johnson, and some others about, you know, concern and effort and so forth. Um, coaches take different ap- approaches. Uh, Sirianni decided to rest many of his players. Belichick decided to play many of his players, uh, especially on the defensive side against the second group offense of the Eagles. Um so, again, the score is meaningless, but there are concerns. What's your takeaway from that 35 nothing trouncing at the hands of the New England Patriots? Yeah, kind of what you just said. The result doesn't matter one iota. What was really disappointing, though, was that we got to see so few of the starters. No Jalen Hurts. He had that mysterious stomach ailment, they tell us, uh, or any of the regulars on the O-line. A bunch of guys that are really crucial to the team's success this year. I wanted to see them work together, and we didn't get that opportunity. I don't know if we're going to get to see them on Friday either. I mean, in my view, these are guys that need game experience together. So we'll see what happens Friday night. It's the final tune-up, and then there's just two weeks of, I guess, run-throughs as we get set for the season opener on September 12th. But the final takeaway from your original question, Bill, most of the Eagles' second and third stringers are second and third stringers for a reason. Well, I mean, and it, it's tough. Give give them the benefit of the doubt. It's tough to excel when you're playing with second and third stringers. You know, we know Joe Flacco is an NFL starting quarterback, right? He's He's been. Um, he certainly didn't look that the other night, playing with a whole bunch of guys that he's never played with and doing different things. So there's that. But – Back to your your point about seeing these guys maybe this week. I don't think you're going to see them. Yeah, I don't um, either. You know, the, the NFL is different they, than it used to be, what we're used to be uh, used to seeing. They, <clears throat> you know, they cut out the um, the one preseason game. 
But now they're doing these midweek joint practices. That's when the work's getting done. That's when Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are playing and those guys. They're not going to play in this game for a quarter so, so you and I can see them. Uh, they're getting their work done on Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday, whenever they're doing that, those things. And they're resting on the weekend. You're, you're just, you're going through an exercise with backup guys that, you know, the NFL's collecting money. The work's getting done during the week. Well, that's the thing. It may, it may be good for the players. It may be good for the teams, but it's certainly not good for the fans, especially, you know, the season ticket holders who have to pay for these stinking preseason games. And then, you know, if they decide to go to them or give them as a gift to a friend, you get to see slop out there. That, that's just not right. Well, it's the preseason's always been a beef, you know, yeah. for, for, for ticket holders. Uh, heck, you can't give those tickets away, <laughs> let alone sell them. If you want, didn't want to go, you can't even give them away. And, and that, that's a real problem. The other thing, and we talked about this last year, I believe, at the same time, you know, where they used to have um, kind of a cut-down week. Every week was a cut-down. You had to be down to numbers. Yeah, yeah. Now they trickle them down. And then they wait until after the last preseason game, and then they do a massive one cut. Well, that's so these guys could play in these preseason games and not have to play the other guys. You know, yeah. they're just using these guys to uh, to go through the motions, and maybe maybe a couple um, on each team sneak their way through and make a team make the team because of something they've done in these games, but not many. And you know what else stinks? I had a ticket for the uh, second open practice on Sunday, a $10 ticket that went to Eagles Autism, and then they ended up canceling it Sunday morning, and it never even rained or got crazy windy or whatever until like after 9 o'clock at night anyway. So they could have had it, but, you know, who knew? They wanted to keep people safe, but uh, I was really looking forward to going down there. Didn't get to see it. Yeah, and, you know, that that's a troubling thing to me here in Philadelphia because – not all teams close all the practices like the Eagles do. Yeah. Uh, in many, many uh, cities, these guys, the practices are like they were back in the day when you're at Westchester, Lehigh, or, you know, wherever, um, where you could actually go and, and kind of interact and see things. But it's the Eagles have taken a different approach, I guess, because they're at the Novacare complex now um, behind closed doors. It, it's not, again, it's not a fan-friendly environment. No, it ain't, Bill. Hey, should we go golfing? What do you think? Um, Why don't we go golfing? Because <laughs> we wanted to give a shout-out to, uh, before we do our Hall of Fame segment, to our friend Leslie Goodell and Kendall's Crusade next Monday, August 30th, will be the first Kendall's Crusade one-armed golf challenge at White Marsh Valley Country Club in Lafayette Hills. Pennsylvania and Chet, I wish we could be at that. Uh, you know, obviously from time distance for me is not good. Work for you is not good. Uh, but it looks like they're going to have a real nice turnout for this. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, my money, Chet, my money, the leader in the clubhouse is Kevin Riley. I got Kevin on the odds. Yeah, I'm sure Kevin's going to do well with that. But uh yeah, it all happens on Monday. It's a great event for a great cause. Registration and lunch at 12.30 Monday, the one-armed golf challenge at 2 o'clock, and then an after-party at 5 p.m. They'll have John Boric there, the great Joe Conklin, and the Tim Williams Band. Proceeds going to AVM and Aneurysm Awareness and Research. Again, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching here, all the details at kendallscrusade.org. We wish Kendall and Leslie the best of luck with what I know is going to be a great event. Yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to be at. Maybe we can make that happen next year. What do you think? You know, I did get a special invitation from Leslie, and I could not get out of work. I'm not able to go, and so uh, I'm kind of bummed about that, Bill. You should be. You That's poor planning on your part. Who sets your schedule? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You might want to talk to your secretary about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll get right on that. Your administrative assistant. Get <laughs> I'll get right on it. All right. Let's yeah. talk Hall of Fame, Chet. 2014, we, we rolled out our first Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Since then, we've added 40 names to that Hall of Fame. And each year, the fans vote uh, accounts for the top three inductees, and then you pick one, and I pick one. Uh, it gets tougher each year as we're going at it, but we're going to do it again. And uh, 
Let's give a quick rundown reference of all the people that we've already put in the Hall of Fame. Then we'll talk about the ballot for uh, 2021. Well, we all started this in uh, the year 2014, Bill. And for those watching, I'm going to put it up on the screen. The first year we put 10 people in. I'm going to run those down. Wilt Chamberlain, Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Chuck Bednarik, Steve Van Buren, Reggie White, Robin Roberts, and Julius Irving. Ten of the very best right there in 2014, Bill. Well, yeah. I mean, those were the easy ones, right? We yeah. went to 2015, Brian Dawkins, Richie Ashburn. Bill Barber, Joe Frazier, Pete Pihos, Pihos, who could have all been on the on the original 2014 class as well. And then in 2016, some more greats. Eric Lindros, Pete Rose, Alan Iverson, Charles Barkley, and Hal Greer. Again, still talking about the cream of the crop as, as we're getting through these. Uh, 2017, one of your favorites, Judy Arnold, Mark Howell, Moses Malone, Dick Allen, and Brian Propp, all – Quality players. Yeah, and that year, I believe I put Dick Allen in, you put Brian Propp in, but the leading vote-getter was, in fact, Judy Arnold. We put her on the ballot, and she just got an overwhelming number of votes because people found out about it in the roller derby community. She's got a big following on Facebook, and uh, she got a ton of votes, and so that's why Judy Arnold is listed number one in 2017. Yep, and uh, yeah, so that got us to 2018, and we put four Eagles in that year. Yeah, Bill Berge, Maxie Bond, Harold Carmichael, and Tommy McDonald, and Jim Bunning, the lone non-Eagle. He, of course, uh, had many great years with the Phillies. Yep, 2019, more Hall of Famers. Bobby Jones and Billy Cunningham, Hall of Famers in, their, in the NBA. Wilbur Montgomery, Tim Kerr, Rick McLeish. Can't go wrong with any of those three. And that took us to the pandemic year of 2020. The people voted in Dave Schultz, Tug McGraw, and Rod Brindamore. So a couple of flyers and the Tugger. And then I selected Seth Joyner, one of my favorites, and you went with Mike Quick. Yep, can't go wrong with those either. But as you can see, though, Chad, it gets a little tougher because now we're, we're, we're down to great players, not Hall of Famers necessarily in their, in their respective sport but great players in Philadelphia and, and our ballot um, for 2021, we still have guys uh, that are hall of famers in their respective league that are not yet in our hall of fame. Go figure that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, so we got a bunch of holdovers and then we're going to add six new names to the list this year. Yep. So our holdovers are, and this is how they finished for last year from vote getting standpoint. Least to most, okay? Darren Dalton, Chet Walker, an NBA Hall of Famer, Ron Hextall, Jimmy Rollins, Donovan McNabb, Mo Cheeks, another Hall of Famer, Gary Maddox, Bob Boomer Brown, another Hall of Famer, Chase Utley, Randall Cunningham, and Ryan Howard. And Chet, surprisingly, some of these guys have gotten very little support over the years, specifically Donovan McNabb and Randall Cunningham. They just yeah. don't get love. McNabb especially. Now, Cunningham did, obviously, from the way you just uh, told us, pick up a little bit of, of the slack last year. So Cunningham uh, was like the second or third from the guys who did make it. Ryan Howard just missed, and then it was Randall Cunningham. But, yeah, Donovan McNabb, number five, just has never gotten the support in here. He's always in the bottom five, and maybe it's because he wore number five. I don't know. I don't know. But we've got six we're going to add uh this year to this ballot. So we'll have, I believe it's 17 total on the ballot. I think there's 11 plus these six. And we're going to start it out, Chet, with you. Uh, you got an Eagle star to add to the list. Yeah, the first new name on the list, Bill, is this guy right here that I'm going to put up on the screen. Good old number 21. Eric Allen played the first seven years of a Hall of Fame caliber career with the Eagles, 1988 through 94. He made the Pro Bowl five times as an Eagle, one more time after that. His 34 career interceptions as a Bird's safety has him tied for the franchise top spot all time in terms of picks. Pretty good company, too. He's tied with Brian Dawkins and our pal Super Bill Bradley. Eric Allen, a member of the Eagles 75th anniversary team, and he was also put in the Eagles Hall of Fame in 2011. Good old number 21, Eric Allen. Bill, you've got an old Philly who I know is one of your favorites from your youth. Yeah, I, I, you know, we went back uh, to 
way back in the day for this one, but we're going with Johnny Callison. Philly fan favorite from 1960 to 1969, four-time All-Star, twice in one year, by the way, Chet. They used to have two All-Star games in the mm-hmm. season. Twice hitting over 30 home runs and driving in 100 runs, finished second in the MVP voting in 1964. Also led the National League in doubles once and triples twice. Guy could do it all. In his 10 seasons with the Phils, he hit 200 or hit 271 with 185 home runs. Team with Richie Allen in the three of four spots that supplied the big bats for the Phils back in those days. Of course, Callison is most remembered for his walk-off three-run home run to win the 1964 All-Star Game. Johnny Callison. And, you know, Johnny Callison, by the way, uh, after he left the Phillies, finished up with the Cubs and Yankees, and it was really weird seeing him in a Yankees uniform in, I guess, 73 and 74. But I digress. Uh, We got a sixer, Bill, a sixer to add to the ballot. Young Sixers fans may know this guy only as a mediocre coach a few years ago. But, hey, back in the day, Doug Collins was a pretty good NBA player. He was drafted first overall in the 1973 draft by the Sixers. He played eight seasons for Philadelphia and was an NBA All-Star, in fact, four times, helping Julius Irving and company to the 1977 NBA Finals. They lost to the Trailblazers. Uh, Despite injuries to his feet and knee that limited him greatly the last two and a half years of his eight-year career, Doug Collins averaged 17.9 points per game, and he is a new nominee for us this year, Doug Collins. Bill, who you got? Uh, Doug Collins is a good one, too. It's a name the young guys have, like you say, only know him as a coach and not as a player. He's a good one. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, I've got a great addition to our ballot, too, Chet, that's outside the Philly teams, if you will. But Philadelphia's own boxer, Bernard the Executioner Hopkins, from the tough projects of North Philly to Greaterford Prison, the undisputed world middleweight champion Bernard Hopkins had the complete journey. He lost his first career fight, then rolled off 22 wins in a row before losing to Roy Jones Jr. But that was motivation as Hopkins rolled off 24 more wins in a row, along with a tie at age 40. Hopkins struggles as he reached his 40s, finishes career 55 wins, seven losses, and one tie for his record. Considered one of the greatest middleweights of all time in a career that spanned from 1988 to 2016, Bernard Hopkins. He's a good one. Uh, Bill, surprising that this great Eagles running back hasn't made it to the ballot previously. He's another one of my favorites. You know him, Brian Westbrook. He was drafted in the third round out of Villanova in 2002. Had a great eight-year run with the Birds. A couple of Pro Bowl selections. First team All-Pro honors in 07. In addition to being credited with turning the Eagles' 2003 season around with a last-minute punt return touchdown to beat the Giants. We all remember that. B. West is third on the Birds' all-time rushing list, just under 6,000 yards in total. And he's also fourth all-time in receptions with 426. He is an Eagles Hall of Fame honoree. Brian Westbrook, a definite candidate for our Hall, too. Beloved B. West. Yep. And another one, um, the final, sixth and final, is another one that's kind of hard to believe that he hasn't been on our ballot. uh, A flyer. A flyer. We've got John LeClaire. John LeClaire, he brought muscle, toughness, and goal scoring to the line of Eric Lindros and Michael Renberg. They became known as the Legion of Doom. LeClaire came to the Flyers in a trade with the Montreal Canadiens, along with Eric Desjardins. After winning the Stanley Cup, LeClaire scored two overtime game winners in that 93 Cup series. For John's first five full seasons with the Flyers, he scored 51, 50, 51, 43, and 40 goals. Five-time All-Star. In all, LeClaire played 10 seasons for the Flyers, scoring 333 goals with 310 assists for 643 points in 649 games, a point a game over 10 years. The 2014 inductee to the Flyers Wall of Fame, John LeClaire. Uh, he's a good one. He's going to get lots of votes, I predict. Yeah, I think I think he will, too. I think we've got six great additions Uh to the ballot, and we've got a bunch of good players still on the ballot. So 
uh, going to be interesting to see how this all sorts itself out. And uh, so remember, um, you go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com. We'll post the, um, the ballot here when we're through. Um, you can click on five. Uh, you don't have to click on five, but you can't click on more than five. Uh, there'll be a logo over on the left on the article. Click on that. Gives you the instructions. Knock it out. Um, it, it ought to be a lot of fun. And uh, the fans select three. You select one. I select one. And uh, we'll decide, Chet, if we're going to leave this open till next Wednesday or to Wednesday after. We can we can decide whatever we decide. Okay. Um, is the is that going to be up tonight? Do you think the ballot? Yes. It's ready to go as long as it goes like it's supposed to go. Okay. It will be up here shortly. It's it's ready to go. All right. So just uh, to review, we have 17 names on the list, and I'm going to put them all up there now. We have the holdovers, 11 holdovers on the left column and the middle column, then the new guys, Eric Allen, B. West, Johnny Callison, Doug Collins, John LeClaire, and Bernard Hopkins. So 17 great names from uh, Philly sports days of yore. And uh, – can't wait to see what the people have to say. Well, the, the fans have got it pretty pretty right so far, as we said. Uh, the big question for you, sir, you have a leader in the clubhouse? You got somebody uh, in your wow. radar? Well, you know, Ryan Howard just missed getting in last year. In fact, he was – not only did he just miss vote-wise, he was going to be your selection, and then you, at the last second you went and uh, went with Mike Quick instead. So, yeah, Ryan Howard has got to be a guy who's going to get a lot of consideration – Along with Rollins and Utley, people still remember those great, you know, Phillies players from the late aughts. And I have a hunch Brian Westbrook and Randall Cunningham will get lots of consideration. And as I said, John LeClaire. So those are, I guess, the six or seven names that I think are going to do pretty well. Yeah, I do too. And and again, it's going to leave behind uh, the Mo Cheeks, Chet Walkers, Bob Browns, guys in their own yeah. Hall of Fame already. Uh, probably going to get left behind, but... Yeah, I think Dutch, Dutch Dalton also. And uh, so a couple others maybe will get dropped from the list next year because there's still some other great names that we can add, you know, to this list. David Akers, Jerome Brown, several others. Yep, yep. Well, and I, I thought real long and hard about Jerome, putting Jerome Brown on this ballot. But since we already had uh, the, the Eagles in there, we I kind of pushed that one off one more time. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to All him right. eventually. We'll see how it turns out. The fans seem to get it right, and no reason to think they're not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to all the shows that will be live on the Edge of Philly Sports Network this week, including this one. This episode is being streamed live across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, now on Twitch as well. Uh, you can catch all the action on www. EOPsports.com. Help us out by hitting that like, subscribe, follow button, share with your friends and family. A great lineup of shows for the week. Jet Barrett Brooks joins Edge of Philly Sports Live tonight. Check out Joe, Freddie, and Big Al as they cover four for four and so much more. <clears throat> Watch live tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Birds IQ, Kyle and Eric Quinn are back. They'll be talking Eagles tomorrow night. That's Thursday. Um, who stays and who goes and who makes this Eagles final roster. Catch them at, at 7 p.m. talking all things birds. Patterson Avenue Fanatics every Saturday, 9 a.m. Wake up and have breakfast with the gang. TK, Marks, James, Dave, Paul, and Damon and get your Philly sports talk on. If you miss a show, no worries. Grab the podcast at all the major platforms. Remember, Chet... Stay up to date on all Philly sports by visiting EOPsports.com with great articles from their huge staff of contributors. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You can sign up at EOPsports.com. It'll show up Friday mornings, usually around 10 o'clock in your email box. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Check great guest tonight and Bob Brookover. We can talk Phillies baseball with him for hours and hours. He was great. Yep. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, next week, Bill, uh, we may unveil our new Hall of Famers. We'll see. We may give it a second week, but uh, we'll see. Um, otherwise, we're going to have a couple of great guests joining us. First of all, from the Harrisburg Patriot News and Penn Live, you know this guy. We had him on about the same time last year, David Jones. 
Dave joins us to preview the 2021 Penn State Nittany Lions football season and talk a little Eagles, too. We will also have a first-time visit from, well, a great young broadcaster who called the Phillies games this past Saturday and Sunday. It is Tom McCarthy. No, it's Pat McCarthy, Tom McCarthy's son. That's who it is. Pat's on the right. He's a young guy, Bill. He's in his uh, mid-20s, and he did a great job Saturday and Sunday filling in for his dad. He calls the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs games most nights, and I know he's going to be a great guest for us as yeah, well. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. He he did do a real nice job. On he really did, yeah. It, it was funny. I was seeing a lot of posts from people saying, who's this guy? Who's, who's yeah. his voice? Is somebody different? Who's calling the game? They're doing a great job. Oh, that's T-Mac's son. Yeah, he's like, what, 26? Yeah, yeah. My that's goodness. Good position to be in, right? Yeah, he, I think he's got a future. Climbing the ladder, if you will. It's in the jeans. I uh, hear you. Hey, uh, Bill, I'm, one thing. I want to ask you about this. Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil is going to, I think, finally get in the Hall of Fame. It's not definite yet, but he is the, the coaching finalist. And unless they decide not to put a coach in, I think he's going in. And he's one of your favorites, I know. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, Chet. Um, no, no disrespect to any coach that makes it to the Hall of Fame or even gets on the ballot, um, but the most current one in Jimmy Johnson. If you look at the at the career of Dick Vermeil and you look at the career of Jimmy Johnson, Dick Vermeil did far more than Jimmy Johnson. And, and no disrespect, has nothing to do with being with the Cowboys. He did a great job with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. but Vermeil did it. Twice. Actually did it three times. He just didn't make the Super Bowl the third time with the Chiefs. But he turned three organizations around. Uh, not many can do that. He is He's long overdue. And, it, and if winning a Super Bowl is a criteria, he did that. And Ray Didinger often points out that when he took over the Eagles in, I guess it was 76, he had no draft picks that he was able to use, you know, that first year. And so he he built that thing pretty much from scratch. And it took, you know, three years, and then they were a playoff team. And before you know it, they were in the championship game. And, you know, they came up short against the Raiders. But, man, it, it was so great to meet him a few years in a row at uh, Kevin Riley and Ron Jaworski's golf event, the Dick Vermeil golf event. And uh, what a great guy. We got him on our show one time about five years ago, and maybe I'm going to try to get him on again now that he's a Hall of Fame finalist. Yeah, well, can you imagine? I mean, they had it, the Eagles alumni had a great turnout for Harold Carmichael. Can you imagine oh, man. the turnout if uh, Dick Vermeil gets in? Yeah, uh, we may have to plan a trip next year, Bill. There you go. I, I, I have no problem with that. I've never been to that, and uh, I'd love to go once. Yeah, let's book it. If he's in, we're going to Canton next year. There you go. Make a date. Make a date. Hey, one of your favorite drummers passed away, Chet. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to mention that in my parting shot, Bill, in just a minute. But you know what? I'm going to take one minute right now and do this. A very quick, unscheduled random chat. I just thought of this today because I looked at my calendar, Bill, and it is National Banana Split Day. I don't know if you're an ice cream guy, but when I eat ice cream, it's very often a banana split because, you know, you got the different flavored ice cream. You got the banana on each side. You got a little chocolate syrup on there. But because it's also Banana Split Day, it made me think of this that I used to watch as a kid. Hit play. <laughs> Saturday mornings, Bill, the banana splits. <laughs> oh, man. That's all. Just, just a quick random chat for you. Yeah, where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> that, mind, that mind does crazy. <laughs> I oh, know. Shoot. You uh, want to tell us about the Raz Room, Bill? What else you have? Anything? Tell us about the What's Raz that? Room. Tell us about the Raz Room. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Raz Room. They PPCC 118 Raz Room posts great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They made some changes 
with the popular mystery boxes, razzes of 11 lines available. So your chances of winning are 1 in 11. Great odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. That brings us to you, Mr. Chesco, if you have a parting shot. I do indeed, Bill. Man, it was quite a week. And uh, let me get organized here before I go into the parting shot thing. Uh, Yeah, we keep losing way too many of our heroes, Bill, sports heroes and otherwise. In the past week alone, we got the bad news that former Tigers catcher Bill Frien had died, plus Eagles D lineman Charlie Johnson, who played five years with the Birds and actually made the Pro Bowl three times in the late 70s and early 80s. I forgot about that. And although he played for the hated Rangers, this guy was one of my favorites. Rod Gilbert, he died a few days ago. Great player who spent his entire career with the Blue Shirts, and he was the team's all-time leading scorer. A super guy by all accounts. One of my best friends who I'm going to see this weekend is a huge Rangers fan, and he's talked to Rod many times over the years. So he was a bit heartbroken about Rod's passing. Rest in peace, Mr. Gilbert. Also in the hockey world, of course, we heard the sad news the other day that Kevin Hayes' brother, Jimmy, who played several years in the NHL with three or four different teams, died at the way too young age of 31. That was really bad news. Sorry to hear that. And, of course, not in the sports world. Bill, you alluded to this, a death that hit me and most other music fans very hard on Tuesday. Charlie Watts, the Rolling Stones drummer for the last 59 years, I believe, since right after they formed in 62. Charlie Watts, a great drummer, left us at the age of 80. The song by the Stones, Shattered, indeed hit me yesterday. Shattered is what I was when I heard that news. I know he was 80 years old, but he was in the hospital for what was said to be, you know, something, nothing too serious. And he just died and he's gone and we miss him. Rest in peace, Charlie. All right. Anything else for you? Um, a couple of birthdays we can mention, Bill. One of your favorites and mine from back in the day, Barbara Eden, turned 90 the other day. Can you believe that? I know you saw her a few years ago. Still look good. Uh, yeah, great, beautiful woman from back in her I Dream of Jeannie days. And, uh, yeah, just a lovely lady. Glad she's still with us. And today, Wednesday, we have a couple of birthdays also. The lead singer of Judas Priest, Rob Halford, turns 70. And he's still living after midnight. And that fire-breathing demon from Kiss is 72. Can you believe that? Gene Simmons, 72. That's all I got, Bill. Yeah, I have to d- tell you one thing about seeing Barbara Eden. She was signing autographs at the Chantilly show that uh, yeah. I was at. And, Chet, what they have is uh, they have genie bottles. <laughs> they have genie bottles. And she was signing genie bottles, and they were lined up all over the place to get genie bottles signed. Uh, I think she was probably 86 at the time. So it's been a couple of years back, but uh, she was a warrior. She was out there signing and uh, talking to all the fans and man, bless her heart. 90 years old. Yeah. Happy birthday, Jeannie slash Barbara Eden. Wrap it up, Bill. Uh, let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Bob Brookover, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chetsesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 1st at 7 p.m. Yes, Chet, September already. Go figure. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com or blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and others. Don't forget, check out phillypressboxradio.com shortly to get your Hall of Fame ballot. And one little secret check. You can vote once a day. Ooh, nice. I like it. Once a day. Once a day. There you go. I hope filling up the sports fans. I hope the end. <laughs>